Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. It's not too early for Christmas music, right? I don't know. Is it too early for Christmas music? I feel like I'm I'm about ready. I feel like the weather has sufficiently changed and uh, Thanksgiving is sufficiently close and I'm thinking about my Advent family plans and so I don't feel like it's too early for Christmas music. So there you go. Uh, I'll set that out there as a thought for the day. Um, Elf on the Shelf. Do you do Elf on the Shelf at your um, house? We do not do Elf on the Shelf at our house, but I know that Elf on a Shelf is a thing. If you're not familiar with Elf on a Shelf and you live in Cobb County, Georgia. (laughs) Uh, I know. People are having a good time right now. And so I think that um, this judge in Georgia just makes me happy today. So this is from the Associated Press. The, uh, The headline is, with a wink, judge fights tyranny of Elf on the Shelf. So, you know, Elf on the Shelf, if you're not familiar with the Elf on the Shelf, um, it, it the, the Elf magically shows up um, from the North Pole and moves around your house um, watching your child. And every day for 25 days, the Elf hides in a different location to spy on your kid. Um, Now, in order to keep up with all of that, quote-unquote, magic, um, the elf has to be assisted, right? There's some parental assistance necessary here to make all of this happen, and it goes on for 25 days. So let me just say, a better use of your time might be to plan out uh, the 25 days of an Advent devotional um, and actually spend your time teaching your kids the real magic of Christmas, I mean, it's not even magic. It's real, right? The hope we set ourselves on in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So elf magic, uh, you might regard as harmless. You might also regard it as teaching your kids to play with spiritual forces that um, we are instructed to take seriously and actually avoid. You actually want to keep them out of your house, not invite them in. The elf appears in very private places, and often the elf is doing, you know, I mean, if you just survey social media on this, the elf is conceived in the minds of adults to be doing very adult things. And I don't know why we think that's funny. I don't know why we think that's funny to expose our children to, um, nor to have as like our Instagrammable life. So just know if you're an elf on the shelf person, I don't really want to see your social feed um, for the 25 days uh, leading up to Christmas. Uh, I want to see people's Advent devotional Instagrammable stuff uh, between now and Christmas. One mom says, I don't want my daughter thinking that kindness is always going to be rewarded with gifts. I want her to know that kindness, in fact, will also often go unnoticed and certainly unrewarded. Uh, But it's who we are as Christians. Let's not be teaching our children to beg for rewards just so that they'll be nice to people. Um, I don't want to teach my kid to be fake. True kindness 
comes from within. So there's, you know, there's all that going on as well. So on, on, and on a practical matter, um, the elf on the shelf could be lost over the course of the year, um, which means you're going to have to buy another one and they're not cheap because you have to do this year over year. Like your elf has to show back up every Christmas season um, or the lie you told your kids is going to be uh, found out. Um, or your elf on the shelf might be found over the course of the year, um, also leading to a very difficult conversation with your kids. Because based on elf on the shelf lore, the elf is supposed to make his or her way back to Santa Claus, uh, not hang out in your basement or your attic. So mm, there you go. What's going to happen when your kids discover that uh, you have not actually been telling them the truth about things vis- visible and invisible, things spiritual See, this is not where I want to be. I don't want to be at a place where my kids doubt whether or not I have told them the truth about spiritual things, uh, about Christmas, about, um, yeah, about who's watching. Yeah, it's it's also why I don't like Santa Claus is coming to town. I mean, Santa Claus is not the one actually watching us when we're sleeping and when we're awake. He is not actually the one judging uh, whether or not we end up on a nice or a naughty list. All right, there you go. There's my, there's my. I know it's not, it's not Christmas yet, so I feel like I can rant about Christmas. But when it comes closer to Christmas, I'll be much more Christmassy. I promise. Um, all right, I'm sure uh, in much more the joyful Christmas spirit. Nick Pitts is up next. Uh, he and I are going to talk about a new state law, and I'm going to ask him: Does it forbid parents to advertise for Christian babysitters? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Yes, uh, parents. I uh, I know there's some kids listening. So yeah, I, I I'm stopping my uh, my Christmas rant <clears throat> there. Um, Nick Pitts, welcome back. I, you have to you might have to redeem the show already. I don't know. No way. You know you've got me in the Christmas spirit. I know. I being from <laughs> Tennessee, I'm about to go put on Amy Grant and. Uh, Despite the fact that it's about 80 degrees here in Texas, some of it's about to start feeling a little bit like Christmas, at least inside my heart, not necessarily outside. There you element. go. Christmas music. Christmas. I just think we have to start playing the Christmas music to get ourselves in the Christmas spirit. Oh, yeah. exactly. Making an Advent plan. That's my, uh, that's what I'm getting on. Yeah. All right. Hey. All right. So um, you and I both read this article about a new state law. That potentially um, means that parents can't advertise for a babysitter who, you know, could be expressly described as Christian. What What is going on here? Yeah, so there's, uh, as many of your listeners can probably relate, there is uh, uh, the Woodruff family in Virginia, and um, they adopted a daughter in 2015 with medical conditions. It required them to hire a couple of babysitters because it was going to require a, a significant amount of work that they themselves uh, couldn't do by themselves. And so they, uh, knowing that this person was going to be with them for a while, they decided that they were with their child for a long time. They decided that they wanted to hire Christians. Um, and they put that in the advertisement. Well, earlier this year, the Virginia General Assembly passed an amendment to the state's Human Rights Act. It forbids taking religion into account when hiring a babysitter, and it also prohibits a parent from including this preference in advertisements. And so now um, the Woodruffs, who were just a Christian family that adopted a child with medical conditions in need of help and caring for this child, wanting to have a Christian to help, are now 
uh, rule breakers law. They have transgressed the law and they are hoping to get relief from the government under the Religious Freedom and Restoration Acts um, in Virginia so that they can make this um, this point. So <clears throat> this, you know, sometimes things just leap into your mind. So what just mm-hmm. leapt into my mind as you were uh, talking about that was this ad that I saw related to Halloween, and it was it, Twix, the, the candy bar. Oh, had yeah. had an ad that featured this, like, witch nanny, this, like, oh, yeah. satanic witch nanny, for lack of a better, right? And she shows up at the door, and this unsupervised child answers the door, which I have a problem with right there. There's there's no parents in the house. This unsupervised small child answers the door. Um, this person announces, I'm your new nanny. Kid says, I don't need a nanny. Um, closes the door, which I view as appropriate, and then Nanny appears, this witch person appears in the house and says, oh, apparently your parents think you do need a Nanny. And then this witch Nanny, I mean, ultimately at the end of the ad, sends this other child at the park, you know, away with this, you know, powerful power that she has over the wind. There's more to this story because this little boy is dressed in a princess dress the entire ad, and so that is really the subject matter, apparently, of the Twix ad, which I have no idea what that has to do with whether or not you're going to eat a Twix candy bar. But my point is, do you think those parents were allowed under this law to advertise for a witch nanny? Okay, that's that's such a great point. I mean, you have this ad that, that really did go viral with Twix over the Halloween, shows the power shows the power that we all know to be true of those individuals that we keep close and that we allow not only to ourselves, but also with our kids as well. And so we know the power of these individuals, of people that care for children, to influence them. And knowing that power, this Christian couple, the Woodruffs in Virginia, decided that they they have they want Christians to help babysit. They want values that are similar to theirs to be able to to nurture and care for their child in this and their medical condition. And traditionally, under religious liberty laws, um, if, if challenged, the individual working out their religion has to show the court they have a substantial burden on this sincere belief. Well, of course they have a substantial burden. As Christians, we know it to be true that we're, we've been tasked to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to train up a child in the way in which they should go, to not provoke your children to anger from Ephesians 6. Like there are, there are substantial religious convictions that we have when it comes to raising a child, and we would want those convictions extended to the individuals that we bring into our house to raise up our children, especially since we're paying for them. Now, the state also has to show that they have a compelling reason to interfere doing so in the least restrictive means. And there's no compelling reason here. There's no there's no act. There's there's no reason as to why the state should interfere in such a way to open the marketplace to all babysitters. And so it just it doesn't make sense. And the Twix ad in and of itself, to a certain degree, proves the point that the Christians are trying to um, trying to insinuate and um, point toward is the value that individuals have and shaping a child when they're close to the child and it's clo- um, in those child and those young formative years. All right, we're talking with Nick Pitts about a range of topics this morning. Um, and let me ask this question as we go to a very, very brief break. Um, if you got fired from a, an institution, let's say you got fired from uh, a, a particular job, would you go and try to work in that same industry? Would you try to change that industry? Maybe would you start a new expression of the 
um, the institution that fired you. Yeah, that we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the loss of job, the loss of position, and yet the creative approach to actually living into our calling. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. truth and what do we do with our kids where do we send our kids to school if we want them to be educated in the truth and what happens when the truth is abandoned by uh, institutions of higher ed Um, so we've got really elite institutions like Yale whose motto is light and truth Harvard just proclaims Veritas that's just truth Um, Stanford the wind of freedom blows. You know, I think the challenge is that we have a lot of institutions who um, have compromised on the truth and are teaching a compromised version of truth to the next generation. There is at least one person out there who has said enough. Uh, all right. So why don't you start there, Nick, and tell us what is going on at what is now the University of Austin. Yeah, so really uh, interesting news that's coming out of Austin, Texas, as is often the case with uh, Austin that has the moniker Keep Austin Weird. Um, There is a new university that is um, being created by a group of individuals that are diverse in viewpoints, but singular and united in mission, which is the pursuit of truth. I think most of our uh, most of the listeners can agree that higher education um, campuses across the U.S. There are pro- there are a variety of problems and um, incongruencies that individuals have with particular um, have from three viewpoint from three levels almost from an administration level uh, supporting issues that would be incongruent with the faith and the pursuit of truth formation of kids. The second being the just the, the very much the left leaning and lack of diversity, lack of ideological diversity um, f- among professors and teachers at these universities, being very discriminatory towards Christians, one, but then also towards kind of a, a conservative viewpoint, too. And then three students just increasingly feeling like they're running the hen house to a certain degree. Right. You just have students mm-hmm. that are protesting. Um, that that are are in need of uh, certain disciplinary measures, especially when they're assaulting speakers and shouting down. They're in need of respect, <laughs> and um, uh, and just in, in need of a strong leadership that says that there are boundaries on the university campus, and but there is a uh, curiosity that compels the pursuit after truth. Well. There's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. And so these these leaders, um, there have been a certain group that has come up and formed the University of Austin. These are individuals that are very familiar names, I'm sure, to many of your listeners. Um, individuals like um, Andrew Sullivan, Jonathan Haidt, Arthur Brooks, Stephen Pinker, Deidre McCloskey, um, former uh, university presidents like Gordon Gee, who was formerly uh, president mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt. Um, um, these are uh, just a, a stellar group of individuals that have come together to say we're lending our we're lending our energies towards the creation of this university um, in Austin that will be committed to truth. And so it's not. Uh, as, as I say, it's not ideologically bent one way or the other. It's the variety of viewpoints, 
um, but they're committed to truth and proclaiming it wherever they may find it, whether it's on the right, whether it's on the left. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's a compelling, it's a compelling product that they're offering in a world that we're, we've all increasingly known there's a problem with higher ed, but this appears to be one particular solution. It's a daunting, like, right. It's a really daunting task to imagine that in 2021, you're going to launch, um, a university and you're going to compete, um, not only for students, but you're going to compete for resources, including, oh, yeah. Uh, faculty, although it it appears, you know, just just based on what you and I have already read, that the number of people um, engaged in this is is really stellar and dramatic. I I don't find it surprising that this is launched in Texas. Um, I think that it was uh, unlikely that this would happen um, in, you know, like let's say Annapolis, Maryland, where um, where the president of the University of Austin uh, has moved from yeah. St. John's College in Annapolis to build this university in Austin, Texas. Um, I think that there are resources out there. I think we, you know, those of us who are engaged in the, at the local level with charter schools in our own communities or across our own states and um, and those of us coming alongside Christian institutes of higher ed um, and seeking to have them, uh, you know, be developed and flourish right now. Um, we all know there are resources out there available to be brought to bear on this, and I think that's exciting. I like I see yeah. this as as a sign um, of uh, not just institutional renewal, um, but like a positive future, the possibility of a positive future. And we got to be talking about who's planting the seeds to cultivate a positive future, not just you know the people who are tearing it down. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I want to acknowledge two things. You are right that it is a, a very fraught environment that they enter into with this latest endeavor. The reality is two-thirds of startups here in the U.S. fail. So just that failure rate, one. And then two, there is a shrinking population of, of students for colleges to compete for. Um, that's for a variety of factors because of international restrictions that have been placed on foreign-based students to just a shrinking birth rate. There's just quite literally fewer students today that uh, fewer that colleges are competing for. And then three, I this is going to have to be a uh, uh, unashamed plug, but the, there are, yes, there are, there's problems in higher education. There are significant problems, but I'm, I'm proud to represent a university at Dallas Baptist University that thinks itself of similar mind with the University of Austin when it comes to the pursuit of truth. But there's also an unashamed, um, unashamed distinction that we bear is that, that we're going to honor Christ with all we do, um, that we're not going to forsake excellence with, um, in the pursuit of faithfulness. And we're going to hold both of them together as we seek to build um, Christian leaders to transform the future. And so we welcome them here to the uh, University of Austin, here to Texas, um, as we uh, all attempt uh, to try to train up this next generation of leaders to give them the thoughts and to teach them how to think, but then also how to how do they contribute to a flourishing society. Yeah, and I guess I'll, you know, I will say similarly, um, you know, that Faith Radio is belongs to the University of Northwestern St. Paul as a part of Northwestern mm-hmm. Media. And, and like, you know, we exist to provide Christ-centered higher ed. Like we, yeah. we're here to equip students to grow intellectually and spiritually and to serve effectively across whatever profession they choose, to give, you know, God honoring leadership in their homes and churches and communities and throughout the world. Like, so I appreciate, Nick, um, you know, what's going on in Dallas. I appreciate what's going on in Austin. I appreciate what's going on 
um, at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. And I think that one of the things that I just wanted to do, I think we often point to those institutions that have um, left their calling. They have abandoned their their Christ calling and their Christ-centered mission in the world. Um, but God has raised up others. And that yep. seems to be, you know, the way God does things, right? He, you know, it, it, it's... it's yeah. um, it's a constant process of renewal in each and every generation, and this is ours, and we will not abandon the task. Oh, it is. Uh, it's like the writer of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7.10. It's the fool that looks back and says the good old days. I'm so grateful for the past. I'm grateful for the traditions um, that we have a chance to be able to honor and to continue to perpetuate into the future. But I'm also cognizant that my God is making all things new. And so we, what started in a garden is going to end in a city, and he's compelled us and given his spirit, not of fear, but of strength, of power, of self-control, to contribute to that flourishing city. And until that day comes, we're all working in a variety of different ways to build institutions in such a way that we might be able to make his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's not just going to be done through the University of Austin. It's not just going to be done in Minnesota. It's not just going to be done in Dallas. It's going to it's going to take a wide variety of gifts. And praise God, he's given us all gifts to be able to use to contribute to the body and the building up of his kingdom. Yeah, so maybe just we'll just close with a word to parents. If you're thinking about, um, you know, where your students are going to spend their time in terms of higher education, we're just going to really encourage you to find um, an institutional fit where the truth is honored and sought and taught. Um, and Nick and I would argue, you know, one that is Christ honoring as well. So, Nick, thanks as always so much, man. We appreciate it. So great to be with you, Carmen. Absolutely. We're going to take a moment to hear from Greg Laurie and Knowing God. So yesterday afternoon uh, in my living room, I have a grandchild singing. He's got the whole world in his hands, joyfully, confidently. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands, got the whole world in his hands. I mean, right. Every verse, the whole thing. Um, and I'm standing there as an adult, loving, loving the moment, right? And also recognizing that as we survey what's going on in the world, sometimes we pause and we wonder, is that true? Does God really have the whole world in his hands? Because there are days and times when it seems as if things have gotten terribly out of hand, well, every couple uh, of weeks, a couple of times a month, Luke Moon joins us um, to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news from around the world. And together we acknowledge God's presence and God's power, even as, even as we pray the news, asking that, um, you know, God's grace would be evident and experienced in the lives of others. He does have the whole world in his hands. Let's turn our attention to what's going on around the globe. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I've never met a person who didn't want to be cool. In fact, I've never met anybody who didn't crave acceptance. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Today's social networking and access to the internet only fans the flame of that age-old desire to impress others. Now kids can strut their stuff to a watching world with a click of a mouse. And if you know teens, you know they're prone to exaggeration. 
keep an eye on your child's online activities. Be sure to monitor images your child is sharing and others that might cause problems or damage relationships. Don't allow being cool online to move in an inappropriate direction for your son or daughter. It's our job to protect our kids, even when they can't see into the future. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to ParentingTodaysTeens.org. That's ParentingTodaysTeens.org. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their gold. All right, joining us now, Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. So um, let's turn our attention to Ethiopia. My guess is most people listening have not heard um, the news related to what's going on in Ethiopia. So would you brief us in? Yeah. So there has been for a while, there's a kind of a, you know, a province that uh, has has always had kind of a challenging relationship between Ethiopia and also the neighbor uh, Eritrea. Uh, and, and the Tigray People's Liberation Front, which is this kind of rebel group, uh, this last week made a pact with uh, seven other kind of uh, breakaway rebel groups, and it's not unlikely that they will be uh, on the on the Capitol steps uh, in in a week or so. So when we think about Ethiopia, um, you know, let me just confess: most people probably couldn't i mean they could we could find it on a map right if a map was in front of us because we know where to look in africa but we don't necessarily think a lot about what's going on in ethiopia um day to day it 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 has been a, a significant um christian community since the yep. days of uh philip running alongside a chariot in the book of acts and sharing the gospel opening the gospel and sending a man uh, back to Ethiopia um, to be a witness. Uh, Talk with us about what you know about the church in Ethiopia. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, yes, I mean, obviously it goes back to Philip, but, you know, it also, there's a really interesting thing is that, you know, a lot of uh, Christians associate, you know, the the, uh, uh, Constantine's agreement or support for, uh, for, you know, Christianity being, you know, oh, he's the first empire, you know, it really kind of ruined Christianity. Well, actually, it was interesting that there was the empire uh, that that whose capital was Axum, which is the the main city where these rebels come from, was actually the first empire to accept Christianity. He beat out uh, Constantine by about a year in his uh, in his declaration that his empire will be Christian. Uh, and so it, it actually goes back to around 325, where the whole empire uh, of the Tigray people was, which included Eritrea, Ethiopia, parts of Sudan. It was pretty big. And uh, it ended up all of them were, were, uh, were Christian suddenly. Uh, you know, and that, that always works well. Uh, but since then, it has been a strong Christian uh, community presence uh, in Ethiopia, obviously, uh, because of you know Islam uh, and and the you know various conquests, a, a large number of Ethiopians are also um, 
Muslim, and also it has a, a fairly strong Jewish community, uh, but most of those Jews have now uh, emigrated to, to Israel. Um, so there's a very strong Israel kind of Ethiopia connection. Obviously, in the Bible, you have uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. Uh, you ha it's, it's really, you can almost, like, if you can almost put uh, Ethiopia really as one of those countries that's part of the Bible lands, right? You know, you think of mm -hmm. Greece and Turkey and, and what is now Iraq and Syria, you know, Damascus, like these cities that are in the Bible. And you really need to throw Ethiopia in that mix as well, because it was very much a part of, of, of the Middle East, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. let, you know, and, and uh, obviously there's a connection to Africa. But you know what is really cool to me is that, you know, Jerusalem is the intersection of, of three continents, right? It's, it's uh, Africa is connected through the Ethiopian Coptic Church there at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Uh, Asia is represented by the Armenians uh, who, who are also there at the church. And then the, the Western churches, Latin, Roman, the Roman church and stuff. So you have this really cool connection between uh, you know, Israel being uh, this this junction between three main continents and all of which have people who worship the Lord. And that's cool. That's very cool. All right. Um, since you brought up Jerusalem, let's talk about what's going on at the Western Wall. Um, I have been there with you. So I, I know at least in part how emotional um, a space it is. But talk about it from the ultra Orthodox Jewish perspective and then this group of women who um, are really trying to turn that on its head. Right. So, so right now, I mean, if you walked up to the Western Wall, which you know, it's it's you know, it's not a huge space. I mean, you're talking, you know, a wall section that's you know maybe what 150, 200 feet long, maybe, and and imagine like three quarters of that is is for men, a quarter of that is for is for women. And it's there's a there's a wall that divides them, uh, and and there is it, there has been contention for a while between you know the the men's side and the women's side, uh, but then there has been an attempt to create a what would be a basically a, a mixed a mixed a mixed gender side, um, and and that has continue to raise controversy. But the other thing that kind of creates controversy is that uh, in particularly the bringing of, of Torah scrolls into that, that space, because, you know, the, the, the conservative and Orthodox uh, synagogues uh, in Israel, um, I say modern Orthodox and ultra Orthodox, uh, they are, they, they're segregated in terms of men and women. And, you know, the, the, the men read the Torah and, and the women are kind of either on the side or they're in the balcony or or they're in a, you know, behind a, uh, there, there's some divider, right? Same thing in, in the mosque too. But, um, and, and one of the challenges is, is that there's been a group that keeps trying to bring the Torah scroll into the women's section. Right. And and that has been met by with the Orthodox who who are there constantly. So it's not like, you know, these guys just, you know, occasionally show up. The Orthodox are, are praying at the Western Wall 24 seven every day. Right. And so it does matter that they get 
that that they kind of have a lot of of status on on that and and how it how it um you know how what happens on that western wall but you know from a from a western egalitarian perspective it's it's like oh throwback to the old days of segreg you know separating men and women uh, in the worship so it it's uh, you're you're running into some some layers of cultural issues all right. When we come back, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ask Luke Moon um, how I can get the Philos coffee cup that is featured in the video um, for the Philos Action Fund, in which he is featured. Because <clears throat> I'm having coffee and it's not in a Philos Project coffee cup. Yeah, because oh, this is a, it's really important. Um, no, we're gonna talk about uh, when we come back. Uh, USAID has a new director, and you may say to yourself, "I don't. I have no interest in USAID." Um, you're funding it uh, as a citizen of the United States of America, um, and this is how you are seen around the world as your dollars are moved into and through um, systems of government and aid. And so USAID has a new director, and she has a new vision for the agency. Luke's going to help us understand that next. I'm just a Continuing our conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. All right, Luke, remind us, what is USAID? Um, who is the new director and what's her vision? So uh, the USAID is the United States government's, uh, like, development, you know, like aid and development arm, right? It's the, you know, if you think of, you know, there's an impoverished place in the world and and uh, they need they need blankets and medicine and and food and that kind of thing. It's USAID that's that provides that, but it also provides a lot of kind of this one some infrastructure projects around the world in developing places and and also uh, you know just as kind of like the do-gooder arm, if you will, uh, of the United States government. The the current director, the new director, is is a woman named Samantha Powers. She has been uh, kind of she was in the Obama administration. I believe she was the uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations there, uh, and she has been in the development space for a long time. Uh, and she's been you know, she has some uh, critical views of of how the U.S. AID has has. What it's done over the years. I mean, one of the one of the challenges of international development is that, particularly the contracts that come from the United States government, is that they tend to have uh, they're, they're attached. You know, they'll they'll give a grant to one place, and that place will give another, that part of a grant to another place. And and one of the one of the things that happened, you know, back in during the the Iraq War, with that there would be a grant to, like to build a school. And by the time all the other orgs got their hands on a bit of the money, there was only enough to like put up a wall or or maybe, you know, do half the roof because so much of them of the money got didn't end up uh, with the local, you know, in the hands of the like the local contractor who who's going to build it, right? That kind of thing. Mm. And that was that's one of the things that she ha- has been uh, very. Uh, you know, critical of of the UN and rightly so, and we should all be critical of that because you know, if you're giving money to build a school, the end product should be a school, right? And mm-hmm. 
and there's just been a lot of a lot of ends up being a lot of hands in in, in the pot uh, where and the projects don't get done. Um, that's that's one of the things that she's wanting to improve. One of the the other things that she's and this I think will be harder than she thinks is uh, the USAID tends to be pretty um, uh, pretty white to put it bluntly. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's very kind of, um, you know, people who get into international development, either they themselves were, were, were impoverished or they just had this kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a, a do-gooder sense about them and they want, you know, to make the world a better place and they come from a, you know, a more wealthy family or whatever. So that tends to be where they come from and they're looking to get more, um, African Americans and Hispanics and uh, you know people of color to use their terminology uh, into this uh, into USAID and uh, you know having worked uh, in I mean I was a missionary for for twelve years Carmen and I can count probably on one hand the number of African American missionaries that were part of the organization I was part of and it was the largest mission organization in the world so it's it's it, I think. In terms of getting, uh, you know, focusing on getting African Americans or Hispanics, I think that that's going to be an uphill battle for them. Uh, but I, I hope they can accomplish that. Um, yeah. So th- those are some of the main things that they're that she's trying to to uh, adjust and correct with USAID. Yeah, I think it's helpful to. You know, just to remind, we have so many things that we're engaged in as Americans that we know nothing about. Um, and we hear the acronyms, you know, they, they roll off the tongue um, of journalists. And we and so we kind of just gloss over it. But we are talking here um, about the way the United States of America is helping people around the world or seeking to help people around the world. And sometimes that help isn't like substantive. And sometimes it's tied to... Um, requirements that I find uh, morally reprehensible. Um, And so, you know, there's strings attached to money oftentimes in terms of um, how a culture responds to certain um, what I would deem to be, you know, moral issues. And, And so I just think that there's a lot for us to be paying attention to as as Christians in the culture today, and I didn't want to lose this opportunity or miss this opportunity to just highlight this one thing that's going on, um, not just on the national uh, front in terms of the appointment of Samantha Power, but the people just staying at least at some level alert to those letters, USAID, and so it looks like USAID, um, when yep. you uh, read it as a word, so just something to highlight. All right, I have a, uh, so, I have one, one headline. Yeah, one, one more thing on that. I think that yeah. I mean one of the things is that you know in in international affairs there's like hard power and soft power, right? Mm-hmm. The hard power is like guns and bombs and 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 that kind of thing, and the soft power is is the stuff that often like the State Department does, but also more importantly what the USAID does. It is it. And and the degree to which the USAID is going to promote what are what are normally considered like more progressive causes, uh, they are that's that's going to run afoul. And this is what the other thing that she's going to run into. I mean, they're going to want to promote the kind of you know the 
I don't know, like same sex marriage and and well and family LGBT planning. Stuff, what they're going to call what they're going to call family planning, and you exactly. and I are going to call abortion. Yeah, right. And that is they're going to that's that's uh, going to be a big push for USAID, and 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 it always is whenever there's a Democratic administration. But it it uh, yeah, it's 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 that soft power stuff that actually I think does more disservice to the, you know, the reputation of the United States than anything, right? Like, it's not surprising that when the U.S. under the Obama administration had a, a, a gay pride festival in the U.S. embassy in, in Pakistan, that might have motivated some, some people to uh, be against us in Pakistan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hurt our interests, blow up maybe a uh, you know, a, a tanker or two, or, or uh, you know, give intel on some of uh, some of our operations, right? Because uh, that you know, not every country wants uh, what we're offering in that vein, and that yeah. I think it's it's it, that there's a a bit of hubris there, but unfortunately, uh, you know, that's that's the way you know politics works these days. So can I tell you the part of it that like makes me just personally the I just cringe it's when it's when people who are American um imagine that and say out loud that we are somehow smarter or more advanced because we embrace um a, an identity and sexual agenda that are contrary to the the traditional values of everyone around the world forever. Um, right. And so, and somehow we imagine that, you know, well, you know, eventually they're going to be as smart as we are and they're going to grow up and they're going to grow out of this. I just, it's so, I find it, it's just so, it's so offensive. I just, I, I can, I can hardly bear it, Luke. I, I can hardly form, bear it when I hear our, you know, representatives of the United States speaking this way of other people. It's colonialism. That's really what Ugh. that is. It's it's yeah. it's a, it's it's neocolonialism. There, there's no other term for it, and it's you know it's it is they, they think they can turn um, you know the world into the the Harvard uh, you know quad or whatever, and they're not. Mm-hmm. It's not. So I'm no. with you. Yeah. Um, all right. We don't we don't have time to talk about the other headlines that I want to discuss with you. But thank you for what you're doing every single day. Um, and uh, I think that you and I should be working on that coffee cup. <clears throat> okay. okay. That's all. all right. That's all. Hey, thanks, brother. That's that's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. Uh, you can um, you can also find him um, at Luke Moon One on Twitter. We'll be right back. All right, we got another hour, another hour. I'll slow down. Another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thank you for being here. Thank you for staying tuned. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.